I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. Corinne Janssen has been Chief Listening Officer for different organizations in Netherlands and has experienced the value of listening. She says, We often make the mistake that we think listening costs a lot of time, but listening is creating an encounter, and an encounter is made in a few seconds. This is part two of an interview where Corinne shares very practical ideas on how leaders and doctors can listen with impact in just a short period of time. And even better, there were lasting effects to business outcomes. If you haven't listened to part one, check it out and be inspired by Corinne's personal story. She shares about how listening for survival as a young person changed to listening for transformation in organizations. Enjoy listening in. You know, there's, there's a couple of things that strike me about your stories. Number one, the story about this doctor, when he took some time to ask questions and to really listen very, being, and being very open, it changed him. And this is, can be very, a very vulnerable thing because, you know, we think that if we're moved, then we might be weak, but actually that brought more strength into him, but it changed him. So that's something that often for people who are supposed to be strong, you know, that can be a little bit of a risk taking, you know, to listen. And maybe I am changed by what I hear from the person who I'm listening to. Yet it's a beautiful change as you, this is part of this, this also this uh, listening to get my job done versus listening to connect and be transformed. And then even though it does impact getting my job done better, right? And then I was thinking your role as the listening person and how you said you didn't give any advice. You just listened. You didn't tell people what to do. You just listened. And so often when we think about listening, we think about listening to be able to, you know, gather information so that I can make a decision. And this is still true. And yet that wasn't the purpose of your listening. And that you went way be your role went be, way beyond that type of listening and even though it did circle back and change policy and change decisions and build partnerships with the patients that wasn't the first reason for listening that became secondary even though that had more impact yeah that's true i think when we started and when the, the hospital decided to hire me as a chief listening officer no one could imagine what it would bring us or what it would cost us. It wasn't just, it, it wasn't a part of the healthcare system. It was a new idea how we could create another system. And what we noticed, the people I work with, is that being listened to 
so attentively is an energizing experience. So when I started at the hospital, I was only listening to patients. And then we had the families. And then we had the doctors. And then we had the nurses. And that's why I always talk about human-centered care. Because we are all human beings working in what we call the healthcare system. But because we are all human beings, we are vulnerable. We can be angry. We can have anxiety. And I think that we can all experience what listening means to us and what it will bring us. It makes people valued and respected when you say what you are saying is important. And it doesn't matter if you are a patient or a doctor or a nurse saying you are important and that's why I'm here to listen to you. Well, none of this is rocket science, you know, but in an age of fragmented focus and limited attention spans, multitasking and stuff like that, and, and, and all the interference of technology being intensely listened to is an experience that leaves you in a better place than when you started. And that's for all human beings. So also for everyone in the healthcare system. So if you were to now kind of look up and look down at all these different experiences and the outcome of what you've, what you've seen has happened, and you would share two or three gold nuggets to our listeners or something that you'd like to pass on that would help them to also maybe be this listener or receive this type of listening one way or the other, because sometimes it's not easy to be listened to either. If you were to have two or three gold nuggets, what would you love to share? In healthcare or in life? <laughs> I was thinking healthcare. Let's start with healthcare. Okay. Let's start with healthcare. that. We often make the mistake that we think that listening costs a lot of time. And I understand that people say that. But listening is creating an encounter. And an encounter is made in a few seconds. Because it's not always listening to the whole story. It is creating an encounter. And creating an encounter is sometimes just holding hands or making eye contact or showing compassion. And showing compassion or making eye contact is not a matter of time. It's a matter of interest and respect for the person in front of you. The other thing is that I would encourage people to start think differently and, and try to change your perspective. Although that is frightening and difficult, but I, I love to, to teach physicians to let them experience how you can look at things from a different point of view. How do you do that? Well, I use the power of art. So I let them read a poem or I show them a painting or let them listen to a music 
a song or, 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 or classic music. And then when they are listening, looking, but you can also think of tasting, touching, touching stuff with the intention to be curious, to listen to a different point of view, so to listen to another perspective. Change your way how you look and listen to patients. Because our physicians are trained to look from a medical view to persons. And that is really very important because you need to get the right diagnose. So your diagnose is central to both doctor and, and to, to the patient. And I think everyone deserves to find out what you have and what you should be involved in every step in the way in that what I call the partnership with your doctor. But we know now that what the philosopher Descartes said in the 17th century the shift between the mental and the, the physical of a person, that it isn't true, it is wrong. We know now that you're a whole person. So we need to look to you as a whole person. But because of the time stress we have in our healthcare system, we are tuned on the medical parts. And... I sometimes say to patients, will you write a letter to your doctor and send this letter to your doctor before you have an appointment so you can share your thoughts, your fears, but also your history, your medical history, because sharing your medical history when you have the age of 60 is much more difficult than when you have the age of 25. So write it down. And also prepare yourself when you have an appointment with your physician or your GP. What do you think they need to know about you? On the other hand, I ask the physicians, nurses or GPs, please don't interrupt after 12 or 18 seconds, but let them talk for two minutes because in those two minutes, you will hear much more than you will ever hear if you start interrupting after a few seconds because people feel I can share a story. And sometimes doctor said to me, but Corinne, will they ever stop talking? Well, we know from research people will stop talking because they are very aware of how many people are waiting to see this physician to talk about their medical care. And we notice that if you really choose to listen for two minutes without computer, without phone, but just creating this encounter, creating this dialogue, you will know much more about your patient and you will give better treatment and better care. Yeah, those are great and very practical things or ideas that, that can be, I can see how that can make, really make a big difference. I'm just also curious, you brought up your research and what the research is showing. Is there any other little, a few, can you give us some examples of some other research that might be interesting to know for people who are listening? For people who are listening in healthcare, I would suggest 
they will have a closer look to the importance of narratives in medicine. So read a book of Rita Caron about narrative medicine, because we know that when you're challenging yourself in broaden your perspective, you will be a better doctor. You will be a better leader in healthcare. And not only in healthcare, when you are really choose to become a better listener or a better leader, you have to do things that create more perspectives. And I think art, reading books, making, making music can be very helpful, but also change your routine. And when you see the science, we see a lot of science in the United States when it comes to creating more perspective by art and by literature or by philosophy. But there is so much more research right now at this time on for the uh, intensive care about music, the importance of music for patients. So just look on PubMed or, or other research channels and look for arts and medical care and listening and you will find a lot of stuff because listening is about being there, being present for the other. And it will become very difficult being present with another person if you don't want to change your perspective on things. Maybe I can share a story, and it is a story, and it's not science, but it's a very good example and a good translation about science. I work in elderly care too, and, and there was a day when I entered the coffee room and there was a man sitting at, at the table and he has some English licorice in his hands and he gave it to his neighbor. And I said to him, can I listen to you? He was uh, 88 years or 87 years old and his wife was living in an apartment next to, to the nursing uh, home. And when I brought him to, to a special room, he starts to cry spontaneously. When we entered the room and and the first sentence he used and i will never never forget it was nothing in life is a gift and his tears came in abundance it, it, it was it was it was enormous and i asked him at that moment where are you right now in your thoughts and he gave me the answer in the dutch east indies i've been so afraid over there no nostalgia or homesick, but I was so scared. And I think there were two minutes of silence. Maybe it were five, maybe it was just one. And I just softly took his hand and I called the places I know of the Dutch East Indies. And that was Bandung, Bohorn, Sukabumi. And he looks up. And his eyes became really big. And he said to me, in the language of that country, Kamu Sinta, that means you are sweet. And I talked to him some words of the language that I learned in Indonesia. And the tears give way to intense laughter. 
and we were so attached. And it was just in five minutes. And if we note, if, if we notice that in science we know that people wanted to share their story, and sometimes it's only for two minutes, and well, men speak less than women, so let's say this man speaks in two minutes. In this case, because of the long silence I choose to have, it was a little bit longer. But let's say there were no two minutes of silence, then this conversation took three minutes. And we know from science that people can share their story in three minutes. And we were so much attached to each other in three minutes. Knowing that a doctor has 10 minutes, he has seven minutes left for physical exam and talking about medical treatment. But you create something, this person will never forget. And we know from science how healing that can be. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful. So I, I know you asked me for science, but this is how narrative medicine can be helpful as a way of working to create encounters like this. Because what Rita Caron and her team managed to do is to train physicians in reflection, in reflective writing, in close listening. And that is so helpful to change the way you treat patients. And you mentioned that this helps with the healing part too. Yeah. What have they found that helps the healing part? Well... The person who can share a lot about that will be Avi Kluger from uh, Israel. <laughs> I need to mention his name because he really did a lot of research about that. But if you look to research of Danielle Offrey, she is a physician in New York. She is a dear friend of mine. She makes music. She is a musician too. But she's also a physician in, in, the, in a hospital, in Brooklyn Hospital in, in New York. She writes poems and she wrote several books about the importance of art, about the importance of sharing stories for her as a physician, but also what it meant to her. And she wrote a book, it's called What Patients Say and What Doctors Hear. And it is a book full of stories, but it's a book about deep, deep humanism for me. But you can also think about Oliver Sacks, but you can also think about Atul Gawande. These are physicians who wrote a lot about their practical research with patients and the art of listening to stories. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was going to say, I've talked to Avi a little bit about stories. I know he, he is so good about asking for stories yeah. <laughs> and telling stories, yeah. And the importance of stories, even in, in performance, you know, reviews or giving the feed forward. So, but, it's, but I hadn't uh, had a chance to talk to him about the importance of storytelling in health narrative and in the medical system. So this is wonderful. Okay. Just one another thing, I'm just thinking, you've talked a lot about having individual 
listening encounters with people, with doctors, with patients. Have you had experience with working with helping medical teams listen to each other? Yeah, because that's needed if you want to become a listening organization. And so I worked with teams and I still work with teams about how to create a real dialogue, how to create a real encounter, and how can you broaden your perspective? So yes, I work with teams on different levels. You have the practical levels, but you also have the scientifically levels. But the strange thing is that it doesn't matter on what kind of level you are working, because the connection between all of us is, is being human. And I, I had a, a wonderful painting of Florence Nightingale, and I show it to 60 nurses working in elderly care. And I ask them, what do you see in this painting? And they were surprised about the difference in answers because, <laughs> well, someone said, I see a nurse because she didn't know who Florence Nightingale was. The other person says, well, I see a patient. And the other one says, I see light. Other, patients, uh, other person said, I see compassion. And then their colleague says, where do you see that in this, in this painting? <laughs> uh, well, you can see it between the, the, the different in colors. Wow, do you see that in different of colors? And that is so, so much fun to do because they are having a dialogue about one painting. And you can say, I see on this painting a nurse and a patient and a candle in this case. But they had a very large conversation. And sometimes they found out that a colleague is very religious and that she feel powerful to be helped by the power of God. And people didn't know. And they said, where do you see God? Well, I see God on the left side in this painting. And they were looking and they said, I can't see it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it almost sounded like it was like, wow, this like, you know, little kids in fantasy land. <laughs> and you know, it doesn't matter if it's there or it isn't there, that people can see something and they want to share that with their colleagues is so powerful that they notice afterwards, okay, so Corinne, when I think I see the truth, I see facts, it's only my perspective. Yeah, and that's big. Yeah, that is <laughs> that's really, really big. big. <laughs> and if that is the lesson of the training I give them, I'm so blessed, Raquel. I'm so blessed. <laughs> you know, what's really cool is when you're talking about these different things, you, you have shared stories that go deep and there's emotions, but yet you also have, you show how listening can really be made fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even when the, even the listening that goes a little bit deep and there's, you know, some crying, but in one sense there, it's like lightening things up at the same time. And, you know, working in the hospital and in oncology or in different situations, that's pretty, the, you know, the environment is, you know, not the easiest. Right. And so to find ways to connect and to bring in, you know, make it fun and make it lighter and make, 
and help people enjoy the process and enjoy each other and do better at their work is wonderful. Yeah. And you know, it's last week I gave a training to 40 men, almost men, there were three women with them. And I asked them to, to sit in front of them with a table in the middle. And I didn't mention arm wrestling. I didn't mention. I just asked them to put their arms on the table and I asked them to move the hands from the, the person in front of them to, to the back on the table. And I said, well, this is a very easy exercise, isn't it? Yeah, it's very easy. And a lot of men started a competition in arm wrestling. Although, mention, <laughs> you have to do some arm wrestling competition. I only said to them, for every point, so every point is a hand on the table, you get a candy for me. And there were two, two people, a man and a woman in this case, and they said, we want a lot of candies, don't we? So they started over and over to put their hands on the table without any competition. It was very easy. It was... But in other words, so they started working together to get the most candies. <laughs> and afterwards, I said to, to the other guys, what was your assumption? And they said, arm wrestling. And I said, but I didn't mention arm wrestling. No, but you put the arms on the table like arm wrestling. And I said, well, you see, this is what's really fun. But this is your assumption because you know it. And I ask you to do something you don't know. And so you can make listening so much fun because now they realize, oh my goodness, for me, an arm on the table is wrestling. It's a competition. But I didn't ask you, is this a competition? You only said you get a candy from me when you put the arm of the other person on the table. So you see, listening is fun. And my work is... It's not always fun, but working with elderly people, I work with elderly people with dementia, is really fun because we can laugh with each other in their stories because there's always something to laugh about. But you have to find it and you have to be open to it to let everything happen, what needs to happen in this conversation. And that's where you said at the very beginning, I think, did you say something about what you learned from your mom in terms of different perspectives as also, you know, being a little bit more flexible and there, <laughs> and there you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's about the experience. We, we need to experience because I can teach people the theory about listening. I, I, I am an encyclopedia about listening. But that's not the way how you let people feel the experience to be listened to. And I think if we can feel, if we can share that feeling, it's the most powerful thing we can do in an organization or for a team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think just knowing about it isn't enough. Knowing what we should do isn't enough. No. You know, giving the experience is really yeah. what makes people feel it, even though I do think it's interesting understanding some of the signs that there is stuff that actually prove that it works because sometimes it feels good, but it's hard to grasp and, and explain what we've just felt. Yeah. We know it's good. We know something just happened, but to put words to it, sometimes it's really not that easy. No, no. And, and in my experience, 
it's well it sometimes takes a year to find the right words and <laughs> when i train people i always offer them a coachy uh, conversation afterwards and sometimes people are, are are with me next week and other people never show up and sometimes people say now it's a year ago and i now now i experience what you were saying and i think everything is okay <laughs> Yeah. So I have another question for you. (laughs) What is one question that I should have asked you or you would have liked me to ask you that I haven't asked yet? Oh, my. Well, I love all the questions you ask and I talked a lot. uh, So I feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I want to share one thing. Listening in dialogue is listening more to meanings than to words. And I think that will be the end. (laughs) Thank you, Corinna. Thank you very much. I would love to, you could let me know how people can find you and where they can also, for those of people in Netherlands, how they can find more information about Nederland Lustig. Did I say say that right? (laughs) It's a very good, very good, Raquel. (laughs) (laughs) So that we can add that to, I can add that to the introduction or to somewhere. That would be great. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. This was a very, very nice conversation. And I'm feeling always very uncomfortable to speak so much, but it's always also very nice to share my passion about this subject. Well, I'm glad you are sharing. (laughs) Thanks again, Corinna. I'm your host, Raquel Arp from Listening Alchemy, and I hope you are inspired by this episode of Listen In and find one person today to practice your listening superpower. Subscribe to this podcast and share it with others for more practical and inspiring stories and examples so that we can catalyze a listening movement together. Find more information at www.listeningalchemy.com. Enjoy listening in.